today we are, are in the second week of a series entitled, Who Wins? And the hope of this series is that you can walk away with the ability to find clarity on what I think are some of the most important areas of influence in a person's life by framing the choices you make with the question, who wins? Question, who wins? Now, framing the decisions with this question in the everyday rhythms of life has the potential to be deeply impactful and can bring a tremendous amount of clarity regarding what it means to live wisely, to live a life worth living. Now, everyone knows that one of the most important areas of influence we have in this life is how we choose to spend our time, right? Even if you don't believe everything you've heard about Jesus in the Bible, you know this to be true because time is one of the most valuable assets in our life. And this is the reason why we often talk about time like we talk about our money. We say things like, I'm investing time into this, or I'm, what, spending time doing this, or we even talk about how we, what, waste our time, right? Any of you ever waste your time? So we actually do think of our time in terms of value, don't we? We do. In fact, when you think about it, you spend your time, you know, really how you spend your time is, is how you literally spend your life. Now, before you push back, I mean, listen, regardless of how much money you have or how much success you have or how many friends you have, whatever you are doing with every second of your life is how you are spending your life. And that, if you were to just take that in, that's a sobering thought because that immediately causes us to take stock and evaluate how we are spending our time. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or someone who's maybe still kicking the tires of faith, I think that a really important question for us to ask is this. Who wins when we do not consider how God sees our time? Who wins when we do not consider how God sees our time? And by the way, <laughs> if, if considering how God sees our time seems like a weird way to find clarity on the best way to use your time, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever spent your time in a way that you knew you shouldn't have? Have you ever spent your time in a way, looking back, or maybe even in the moment, in a way that you knew you shouldn't? If the answer is yes, then what does that say about your own ability to have your best interests in mind? What if we could spend our time and spend our lives in a way that is in sync with the way God created the world to be? How he created us to live and be the God who knew you even before you were born and has always had your best interest and has your best interest in mind? So today, I want us to learn to ask the question, who wins when we do consider how God sees our time? And I want to do that by looking at Psalm 90, verse 12. It's a psalm written by a guy named Moses, right? Moses did what? Did he 
lead the ch children of Israel out of Egypt, or did he uh, put two of each animal on a boat? Right? That's the old joke. How many, how many of each animal did Moses take on the boat? Anyone ever heard? That's a good old church joke. Anyways, it's, people are like, two, and you're like, ha, 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 it's Noah, dummy. <laughs> you know, because that's what Christians do, call each other dummy. So. But Psalms 90 verse 12 says this. Let's take a look at this today. Let's dive right in. It says this. Teach us to number our days carefully. Now before we go on, I just want to stop there. If there is something very different about how this passage of Scripture explains managing our time, it's definitely this. This is definitely a distinct way of, of, of expressing how we approach manning, managing our time. And it's this, managing your time starts with considering how God sees your time. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to be taught. Teach me. Teach us. I don't know about you, but much of my regret in life regarding how I spend my time didn't come when I was considering how God sees my time. But when I did not consider how God Seize my time. When I didn't allow him to teach me how to number my days carefully. This is because every horizontal dysfunction begins with a vertical dysfunction. Let me say that again. Every horizontal dysfunction begins with a vertical dysfunction. In fact, if I've done your premarital in the past, you'll know that I've talked about this, that every horizontal dysfunction, what happens in your everyday life and the decisions that make up your everyday lives that affect people on a horizontal scale begins with some type of vertical dysfunction. What happens between you and your heavenly Father? Again, I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself discontent with the way I've been managing my time, it's always been a result of being guided or taught, not by vertical influence, but by horizontal influence. And all of us have horizontal influencers that are more than willing to teach us how to manage your time. For instance, your vocation is more than willing to tell you how to spend your time, your hobbies, your family, your passion, your friends, your favorite forms of entertainment, these are all things that will influence the way you manage your time. But let me ask you this. What if instead we begin to take our cues on how to manage our time, not from the horizontal influences, but from the vertical one? If we took our cues from the one who knows us and created us, which begs the question, how does then God teach us? How does God teach us. Does anybody know? The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E Bible, there you go. Some of you got it. <laughs> the Scriptures, God's Word, is how He teaches us. And, and, and for some of you, let's just be honest, the single most impactful thing in helping you learn how to consider how God sees your time will actually start by you picking this thing up. 
and saying, I'm going to have a plan, I'm going to make it a purpose, and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to learn from him. Some of you, you just need to do this. It's been a while, and you've even said, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But for some of you, simply just purposely placing yourself in a position to learn from God can make strides in you actually, and you actually considering how God sees your time. And I get it. You're too busy. I'm too busy to study the Bible. I'm too busy. You don't know. <laughs> Let me just ask you this. Who wins when you're too busy to learn from God so that you can see how God sees your time? Who wins when you go about your life so busy that you cannot get the kind of information you need to actually consider how God sees your time. Well, I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of podcasts. and You know, I, do, I got this cool new book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, those books are helpful. I got a friend who's a good, you know, person at time management. I asked him what to do. That's good, that's good. But listen, when was the last time you considered what God would have to say to you? The truth may be that your sense of busyness is a result of your inability to gain a right perspective on how God sees your time. You ever thought about that? I'm too busy. Well, maybe it's because you haven't stopped to consider how God sees. And so, you are not wise, but you are foolish with your time. So back to our verse, now that I beat you up. <laughs> Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. So that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. I wasn't around, but some of you were. In 1960, anyone was around in 1960? We got a couple here, right? Yeah, not pointing you out or anything. <laughs> in 1960s, Time Magazine reported a story about time management. Listen to this. An expert testimony was brought in to talk about uh, to talk to a subcommittee of the Senate, and he said that because of advances in technology, this is 1960, within 20 years or so, people would have to drastically reduce how many hours a week they worked, or how many weeks a year they worked, or else they would have to start retiring sooner. The great challenge, it was reported, would be what people would do with all the free time they had because of all the technological advances. And so think about that. We look at the past, right? And we think, they had so much time. They sat and they listened to the radio together in their living room, huddled together. And they looked at the future and they thought, they're going to have so much more time than we are. Yet the common problem remains as it was then, as it is now. We need more what? Time. If you're someone who feels like you need more time, then you should probably ask this question that Psalm 90.12 begs us to ask. Who wins when we fail to recognize the brevity of life? Who fails when we actually 
Who wins when we fail to actually recognize how short and how numbered our days are? You know, when you're young, you don't really think about the brevity of life. You think, you know, a a crazy athlete like myself, a specimen of a man. (laughs) Don't laugh too hard. That's okay. I should last a long time, right? I mean, come on. Look at me. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever an app on my phone shows me a memory from four or eight years ago, I say things like this, whoa, look at Brennan. Uh, this is week two, I think I used in the illustration, sorry about that, right? <laughs> I mean, this kid is, is just growing up, whoa, look at Brennan, or look at, look at me, oh, still look the same, uh, but how much time what? Flies. But the truth isn't. The time doesn't really fly. It doesn't slow down or speed up. Scientifically, time is actually one of the few constants in life. It is unchanging. And other than the beginning date and the ending date, we are all given the exact amount of it every single day. And while we know on an intellectual level that life is short, We often don't give our time to the things in life that are most important. Or I will say, because we are followers of Jesus, the most eternal. As a result, we end up making some unwise decisions regarding how we spend our time. And wisdom would suggest that we change our frame of mind to understand that our time, our lives, are on loan from God. Did you know this? You do not own your time. God has entrusted our time to us as a resource. And one day we will give account on how we spend it. For some of us, it's a matter of not giving enough time to the things that are important from our lives. For others, it's a matter of squeezing in too many things into our schedules. As a result, we keep inventing things to help us do more and more time-saving. But listen, is it actually working? I mean, we invented cars and planes to help us get places faster, but rather than saving time, what do we do? We just go to more places. (laughs) Some of you in your lifetime have gone to more places than whole communities of people just 50 years ago because we got cars and planes. So instead of just saving more time, we actually just go more places. We have fast food, right? So we can eat faster and get fatter. At some point, we still decide that that wasn't even fast enough, so we did what? We put a window on the side of a building so we could drive our fast car up to the fast food and eat fast food while we drive fast. I mean, how fast can we go? So the question is, who wins? Who wins? Who wins when you do not consider how God sees our time? Who wins when when we don't see how God considers our time, that our time is numbered and that is a trust to be stewarded. Who wins when we live our life that way? Well, I have a couple suggestions. First, here's what definitely doesn't win. Your personal life doesn't win, right? Think about it for a second. We live our lives at breakneck speed and it's sucking the joy out of our lives. And I can tell you, There have been many times that I have raised my voice to my kids. 
I've yelled at them, and it wasn't even their fault. It was because I was feeling rushed. Because I didn't manage my time better. I don't know how many times a kid has knocked on my office door and I was in the throngs of work feeling pressured to get things done and I would yell, What? And immediately give myself the worst parent award. How many of you would admit that you sometimes deal with a flash flood of anger because of the pace of your life? Or maybe it's not the pace of your life right now. Maybe it's because you literally are addicted to speed, to the fast-paced nature of getting things done. Have you ever noticed that it's difficult to be the kind of person who is kind to others who are messing up your pace? You ever ever run into someone who seems to mess up your pace? (laughs) How easy is it to be kind to the person who messes with your pace? Why do we act like that? It's because... We feel rushed and there's no margin in our schedule. All of us tend to make poor decisions and treat people poorly when we feel that our time is rushed, when we don't consider how God sees our time. And honestly, our hurry sickness in the United States has led us to a new low in the areas of compassion and kindness. I look at social media and I look at the news And for all the advances we have and all the advances we have and the moving forward towards human rights and all this kind of stuff, I don't see us growing in compassion and kindness. And so who wins when the way we live our lives, when we spend our time, actually makes us less compassionate, less kind? Who wins? Who wins? Because here's the thing. While it affects those around us, if you live at this pace, it begins to affect you inside. When we become more negative, we become less compassionate, we become less patient versions of ourselves than we want to be, but those are just symptoms of a schedule out of control. And have you ever noticed this? I am rarely impressed with the busyness of others. I am rarely looking at other people going, oh my goodness, look how busy they are. (laughs) I want to be them. Never say that. But I secretly hope that other people are impressed with my busy schedule. So your personal life doesn't win, that's for sure, when you don't consider how God sees your time. Also, your relational life doesn't win, right? When we fail to consider who wins, we do not consider how God sees our time, that our numbered, that our days are numbered, and, and that it is a trust to be stewarded. It's our relationships that begin to suffer, and we have less time to spend with those we value the most. And then the ten time we do spend with those we value the most, we're not even fully present. And I, I'm not like harping on people because this is, I've totally done this, 
right? We're physically present, but we're what? Mentally absent. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Huh, what did you say, honey? Mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What? What did you say? What? 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 Uh, let me finish this thing. Hold on. <laughs> right? This is where we're at. This is where we're at. When we fail to consider who wins, when we do not consider how God sees our time, we spend our time in the areas of life that feel urgent. But if we are honest, they're not really that important. And here's what happens. It causes us to be stressed. We get fatigued. We get anxious. Then we want to sleep. And then we feel bad about sleeping because we're not using our time wisely. So then we get more fatigued. And then we get stressed. And we get more anxious. And all we want to do is take a nap. And then we feel bad for taking naps because we didn't use our time wisely because I have so much to do. It's this endless cycle, right? At the end of the day, what loses? Our relationships. Oh, maybe that's why people are feeling so distant from me. I'm not doing anything. Well, no, you're not doing anything intentionally, but what you are saying with the decisions of your life is causing the distance between you and others, whether you know it or not. When we fail to consider who wins, when we fail to do that, when we fail to consider who wins, when we do not consider how God sees our time, we spend our time in our areas of our life that feel urgent but are not that important. And listen, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. Last but not least, your spiritual life doesn't win. And I don't think any of us intentionally neglect our spiritual life, our relationship with God. But when we do, when we neglect to spend time with our Heavenly Father, God does feel more distant. When we don't have time or emotional energy to sit down and and reflect on how God wants us to grow through His Word and through His life and, 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 and the desire for Him to live life as family with others who love and follow Jesus so that God could lead us into the next steps He has for us, If we don't have time to do that, listen, we are too busy. We are way too busy. If you do not have time to actually stop and speak to the one who loved you and made you on a daily basis, every day, what kind of relationship do you think I would have if I only talk to my wife a few times a week. Not a very good one. I guarantee you she would not feel close to me. She would feel distant from me. And that, in fact, that has caused issues in the past where we get really, really busy and, and we have to look at each other and go like, hey, time out. We are really distant from each other. Over time, our attention turns inward towards ourselves And the great paradox of life is that true joy is not found in living for yourself. 
but in discovering how much God loves you and in giving your life away in service to others, in pursuit of living the life we want to live, we sacrifice it on the altar of busyness. And we could argue that this is just the culture we live in because the advance of technology and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is that this is a part of human condition to waste time, to be busy. This is why Job said this in Job 9.25, My days fly faster than a runner. They flee without seeing any good. Some of you have a dreams of grandeur regarding the times of old. Oh, I wish that we could go back to the old days where things were slower and blah, blah, blah. But you are just romanticizing and really honestly deflecting from the responsibility to live right now. The more time you can spend about thinking about the past, oh, we don't have to deal with today. Listen, Job, in an agricultural culture, back farming and doing all this stuff, said, my days fly faster than a runner. They flee without seeing any good. That could be written today. And contrary to what we think, the struggle to manage our time well has been a problem since the day, since really the day man turned his face from God. And Moses, who wrote this psalm, indicated that if we could stop at every opportunity, at every crossroad, when we make a decision to, to, to consider how we spend our time and ask this question, who wins when we do not consider how God sees our time, that our time is numbered and that it is a trust to be steward? Listen, if we, if we ask that question, it would help us grow in wisdom regarding our time. Teach us to number our days, O Lord, so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. One last thought and I'll be done. When it comes to our time, I believe that we should also ask, who wins when we don't make eternal things a priority? Because here's the truth. Your car is not going to run forever. Your house will crumble to the ground someday. Your 401k will dissipate or it'll go back to the government and we'll do whatever they want with it, whatever. Everything you own, your body, will begin to sag first, like mine. Then eventually it'll break down and then you will go away. And I'm not saying you shouldn't wash your car. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your house. I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise and try to eat healthy. But listen, are you actually making it a priority to invest your times in the things that are eternal? Jesus taught this in Mark 8.36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? In other words, who wins if you spend all your time on the things that don't matter and you lose the things in life that really do matter. Who wins? As followers of Jesus, we know the things that matter the most are our relationship with God and people. 
When it comes to how we manage our time, we have to lean into relationships and make decisions with our time that help us engage in our relationship with God the Father and our relationships with others. So that those, ultimately, the ultimate plan, by the way, is this. So that ultimately those disconnected from God can experience the gospel of Jesus with clarity. That's the end goal. The kingdom of God, if you didn't know this, it's a relational kingdom. The guiding ethic of God's kingdom is this. Love God and what? Love others. These are what? The greatest commandments. But so often we make decisions with our time and schedules and priorities that prohibit that. And then we wonder why we don't feel closer to God. And we wonder why people feel so distant to us. Or we wonder why we feel so distant from God and people are just so annoying. Or we feel like, how come we don't feel close to God and, and nobody likes us? Everyone just judging me. Maybe, maybe you haven't put the eternal things first. And here's a secret. If you really want to know how to get the most out of life, when you make your relationship with God and your relationship with others a priority, when it comes to your time, God will provide you what you need to sustain you in this life. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, I'm not going to sing the song, just so you know. Seek ye first. I'm going to sing it. The kingdom of God, right? Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And He will give you all you need. Either Jesus is a great liar or he is the way, the truth, and the life. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you everything that you're trying to spend all your time to provide for yourself that really only God can give you. My prayer today is my hope that each of us would look at your own calendar, to take a look at your schedule, to take a look at the time you've been given and live your life with a sense of righteous urgency. Because we are not promised tomorrow. And so wisdom would suggest that we do everything we can to make every moment that we are given count for something. To ask at every decision regarding how we choose to steward our time, who wins when I choose to spend my time in this way? If there's a question I can get you to ask at all, is that one question. In the face of the decisions you need to make regarding your time, if you just stop to ask, okay, who wins when I choose to spend my time this way? Just maybe, just maybe you'll find some clarity.